When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Odyssey. It's the part of the Odyssey. You know what's weird? Alien Odyssey. Besi- what? Besides, besides, <laughs> this guy's talking to aliens in his free time. We, we, Katie and I, we have been playing almost nonstop Mario Odyssey. <gasps> Shut up! Are there aliens in that? There are. Well, there's UFO on in a Final Kingdom, but we're not going to spoil it for people. Although that kind of gave it away a little bit. So just out of curiosity, do you guys play video games together like often or like what are the big video games you guys play? Because Paul and I do that sometimes as well. So, I'm just so a lot of our video game playing involves Katie kind of dejectedly looking at Instagram on her phone as I play Rocket League with, <laughs> with Paul and Minkus. That's a big part of our video game playing. That's nice. That's good together time. <laughs> good times. Yeah. Katie kind of sighing every time I scream at the TV. The other, no, I mean, we, we play a lot of, we play a lot of Mario together. We play a lot of Pokemon together. We play a lot of, it kind of depends on the game. I mean, again, Katie, interestingly, I've been getting her into watching Twitch streamers, mm-hmm. which I absolutely love. Like if, if, if podcasting ever takes off, that's definitely what I'm going to do is the second thing is Twitch stream video games all so the time. What is the Twitch stream? It's Oh, just just basically so it's, go ahead. It's yeah, it's you play video games live and people can chat and like ask you to do stuff and whatever and then usually there's a video feed of you like your face. Okay. I'm yeah, so together. it's super fun and so the one that we watch is Lobos Jr. who is super cool. He's a great guy. Just raised like over I want to say like over $100,000 for charity. Or something. Actually, he's awesome. he's the reason that we're going to try to do our charity thing for Halloween um, until oh. Christmas, which is going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if it gets off the ground. But anyways, it's just fascinating. Paul just asked so. me. Paul asked me the other day. Um, I don't know how we got into it, but he's like, "How can you even think about? How could you make money playing video games?" And I was like, "What, baby?" I'm like, "You can make some serious cash." Oh my goodness! Video games. People just fatality. Yeah, right? people. People just love. Yeah. People just love watching people do stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. See, Paul doesn't, my husband doesn't get it. Cause then I had to explain to him the, the only, like the only celebrity that I remember, which was from back in the day now, which is uh fatality, which was the kid who played, I want to say doom. Was it doom? It was something. And he was amazing at it. It wasn't doom. It was another game. And like, he just racked up like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, he was like uh, maybe 17 or 18. No, it's crazy. We had a kid. There was a kid at, at the school that I taught at mm-hmm. who was a professional League of Legends player. Good God, that's awesome. And so he'd come to class and like he'd take classes and whatever. And it was like, well, you know, video games aren't going to pay for everything all the time. But it's like they're paying you more than they've ever paid me. I've yes. never made any money. Okay, we're getting off topic here, Marie. No, but that's a good topic. That's still like it's fascinating. Look, kids, kids, listen up. Actually, you don't have to quit school. We don't had quit a school. listener but play video games. We had we hella had, video games. Get good at that. That's a money maker. We had a listener mm. add me mm. on Xbox Live. Oh yeah, 
which was awesome. My Xbox Live handle is Mad Scientist Cogswell. So find me, <laughs> listeners. It's great fun. All right. Let's Aww. let's get into this episode. So last time where we left off, <laughs> John and Phyllis had met the aliens Dahlia. Mm-hmm. They had met mm-hmm. Etron. And they Ad- had had their first scary experience with an unknown being. Yes. Who took over Phyllis. Yes. And tried to get her to jump off the balcony. Which is troubling. This episode. On many levels. This episode, things we promise it get weird. This episode gets weird. There's going to be more aliens than you know what to do with. Jake, roll the tape. Yeah. Welcome to the Mad Scientist Podcast. This week's episode, Alien Odyssey Part 3. Okay. And uh, and we're back. We're here. We are. So we're like, I would say we are, we are a good... Maybe two thirds way of the way through this this very short book novel novelette. Yeah, of, I would of, say uh, I would say we probably have one more. We probably have one more episode full on this story itself, and then mm-hmm. the actual theory section. That's where I'd say yes, we're at. I mean, we can. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I'm just saying that because I. Feel like so we're now into the meat of it, and like you were saying, Cox, it's kind of crazy because all of a sudden they start to name drop aliens that I'm still that I'm like I'm reading it, and, and he's like he'll be kind of just, and then I discussed it with Atron, or then I discussed it with, and I'm like, wait a minute, so so are you still talking? Is this still are they embodied in your poor wife, Phyllis? They Which are. I'm assuming they are. They are every time. But they make it seem like they make it seem like, and then Phyllis and I discussed it with so and so, the alien, and you're like, well, but that's her. So it's this weird sort of like their day to day life and kind of decision making and discussing and learning. It's like these aliens are a third party in the story. So you'll be reading it, and they'll be like, we had an extensive conversation with Dahlia about how she learns and how she went about things in getting used to being in a human host. And then you're like, you're talking to your wife. Like, it's like, it's really difficult to visualize it because you keep, like, if you're like me and you're reading something, you visualize things and you keep having to, this, these chapters keep, kept having me check that and be like, but he'd be sitting there either talking to himself or talking to his wife. Or he'd be very upset, like Phyllis was very mad at him, and so Zebulon would come and counsel him on what he could do to to make things better because she was not talking to him. And I'm like, but you're talking to her now! Right, yes. <laughs> well, it takes... <laughs> well, you're talking to her now! It, well, I, I think probably the perfect... But that's when I was like, Oh wait! Yes, I think probably the perfect example. Of this we're going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. So let's okay. Let's let's just jump into the story here. It does get very confusing. Ooh, I, there's actually my favorite quote in this whole book is here on page fifty-two. Oh man, you're wait, you're wait. Which now. we're going to say specifically, but uh-huh. okay. So we're at the point now where Etron has told them there's they're going to give her and John Phyllis and John an alien mm-hmm. named Dahlia to take care of. Yes. And 
they don't really know anything about like they don't know how smart Dal they don't know Dahlia's age they don't know how intelligent she is they have no idea sort of what level she's at but all that happen all that they know is that when Dahlia first comes to them she can hardly write she doesn't really understand English and she has a very hard time being in Phyllis's body supposedly so yes. in this so they they start it, it comes they they kind of train Dahlia for quite some time they, they kind of go back and forth with her or whatever. Yes. And they start talking. John mentions in the book here a couple of interesting points that I think are weird but interesting. So first he says that in asking Dahlia how they how is she able to actually do this to Phyllis? Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, how is it seemingly because at the same time, they're starting to have almost poltergeist activity in their home. So again, like, yes. So. This is where, so then I'm like, okay, so what's up with all this? This is, you got a lot of, you got a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of stuff happening. A lot of, I would say almost conflicting in some ways. Yeah. So, to me. so here's the quote. It says, quote, Dolly explained that her own body was tangible, the same as ours, but the atoms in her body vibrated at a much faster yes. rate than ours causing her body to be invisible to us, unless we were also very highly attuned to a higher energy level. Some okay, people, so she told us could see her, which we learned later was true. She said she had weight and temperature, but much less of both than we have. Dahlia claimed she would eventually die, and since she was not immune to earth diseases, she was susceptible to them. End quote. So so let's just let's just unpack that <laughs> there for a sure. minute. Sure. So she's vibrating she's vibrating her atoms so quickly that she is not apparent to the human eye. And she can she can also vibrate Phyllis's atoms so quickly that she can take Phyllis through mm. solid walls. No, 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 no. Okay. What I think it is well, yeah, that does happen. What that I does happen. What I think what right? I, what, So <laughs> Okay, we're Science Science me this, Doctor. <laughs> so, How does because that's also the same premise that's behind if if memory serves, and I have not Googled this, so get ready for some mad conspiracy here. Philadelphia experiment had the same type of had the same type of math logic. It right? is or actually logic. He, he mentions that here. He Boom. mentions that here. All right? right. He mentions it when he mentions it when later on an alien attacks Phyllis and actually like hides her in a broom closet or something. It's not oh, just this right. lady. So maybe it was here. But I remember thinking that before of that incident. I was yeah. Like, oh, okay. Keep going. Yeah, okay. So, so spoiler. I think the spoiler. idea. I think the idea is that any okay. When this argument is made, uh -huh. this idea of uh -huh. atoms uh -huh. vibrating at a different frequency or something, uh -huh. that obviously doesn't make any sense. Because atoms, although they do vibrate at the level of real matter, of bulk matter, that uh -huh. vibration or that vibratory energy is so slight as to be almost negligible. Like the 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 size of particles where the vibration of the particles has any effect or any real, uh, that vibration would be, or speed or whatever velocity would be mm -hmm. such that something like this could be the case would be subatomic particles. And so perhaps their DNA and all their organic material or whatever they're made up of is made up of these subatomic particles only. That I guess is a possibility maybe, it fits mm -hmm. outside of our chemistry and biology and biochemistry as we know it today, 
but maybe that's possible. But then but it, she says she's the same. She ages and has the same. Well, as we do. and that's the part that then doesn't make a lot of sense is huh. if that's the case where they're just made up of different types of bonds or something, but their particles, whatever they are made out of physically allows them to move at a, or causes them, forces them to move at a faster speed than we can even perceive. Again, that is not so out of the realm of possibility, I think, as to be ridiculous. Where it does become ridiculous is why would that cause them to be able to interact with us in a more like it, it brings up all these other interesting questions such as if that's the case, then that suggests that there's a part of us that's separate, but still made up of the clearly then Phyllis's consciousness or soul or whatever is made up mm -hmm. of the same stuff that Dahlia is made up of fully. Right. Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. that's the case, then why can't we remove ourselves or separate ourselves from our physical bodies? Or why can't we then, you know, so it, it or if we can, it's because of this. Right. 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 It's, you, people could say, well, you have out of body. Da, da, right. Da, da, you can da, do it. Remote just, viewing. Yeah. But yeah. So it, it, yeah. it becomes sort of a if chicken. You, if you believe any of this anyway. Right. If you believe any of this at all, it becomes a yeah. chicken or the egg kind of thing. And the other part of this, though, that so the part of this, that I think, is actually a I think is a very interesting way to switch all this around is he then mentions that. Because they're because these beings are made up of uh, lighter matter or different matter, and maybe not even different matter, but different combinations of matter than we're made of, they're mm -hmm. able to move at a more rapid rate than we are, which is what allows them to travel through space. So they mentioned that Dahlia can travel. I think he 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 says he clocked it here at three thousand miles an hour by measuring how long it took her to get from New Hampshire to Arizona. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. But again, kind of a it, it it just makes a lot of questions. Science light sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, sort of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So science-esque. Cause when I was reading this, I was like, okay, so let me think. Like, again, not knowing, you know, if if atoms are vibrating that quickly i mean your bulk too i'm assuming as a your person you're vibrating them like you would really have to shake a person incredibly to make that and that doesn't make any sense like i couldn't i can't get i can't get to yeah if you're an alien and you have a totally different makeup of your physical body anyways okay but no, human-wise, what? Usually when they're mentioning these like vibration things mm -hmm. or vibratory things, what they're mm -hmm. what they're hinting at is ideas like say super string theory or um a lot of the times when scientists are trying to simplify kind of harmonic the harmonic oscillat oscillatory nature of the atom or electron clouds, the Ooh. way that we actually like mm -hmm. the way that their math is described we try to describe it in terms that people can understand. And for some reason, we think that, that it's... That was very poetic. Well, I was going to say, for some reason, we think Mister. it's easier for people to understand how a guitar string works. So it's like, if you pluck a guitar string at a certain uh, tightness of the string, it'll give you a note. And if you then tighten it, it'll give you a higher note. That's kind of the way that... That's kind of the way that 
quantum particles in a probability state or energy probability function will operate. So the harmonic oscillator yeah. or the Hamiltonian function can be plucked by adding or subtracting energy out. And then you have certain states, certain energy levels that they can operate at. Yes. So or certain energy levels that they can be, they can achieve. But how, how so I think, tightly would so, you have to so pluck I think, Phyllis to get her to do that? Yeah, that's, I think, the <laughs> argument that they're making, or the, the, that's kind uh -huh. of what they're hinting at. But again, it's all, it's all science gobbledygook. It's all, it's all someone, this to me sounds like someone who doesn't, who understands enough science to be mystical and mystifying, mm -hmm. but not enough to make a really well thought out answer. You know, so me, I'm just, teasing oh, I, I mean, this sounds like good sci-fi, but, Aww. but the good, the good turn, the turn of this though, that I do like is that travel idea that this is why they're able to travel through space more quickly than we are. That I think is fascinating. Okay. okay. So I'll give, I will be like, I'm good with that. Like to me, I'm good with that. But so here's, here's, I have, I have like some, I don't want to say some, uh, quarrel with with uh uh john mulaney in this but th these chapters to me are somewhat problematic because then it's you know atra the idea of atra being sort of this poltergeist or well, let's let's get into this, it because we actually we haven't even yeah we haven't mm -hmm. even introduced atra yet oh so, my god well so who again is phyllis so last last <laughs> episode we mentioned that there was a an alien attacks her at night and tries to get her to jump off the balcony. Yes. In yes. this episode, in this, in this chapter here, in this series, mm -hmm. we, so they're training Dahlia. All this is going on. Mm -hmm. And then they finally meet another person who seems to be able to see Dahlia. So they mentioned that early in October, we read in the newspaper that Dr. Alushi Francesca, and that's A-L-E-U-T-I, of the Solar Light Retreat in White City, Oregon, was going mm -hmm. to speak at, on UFOs at Hanover, New Hampshire. Now, I looked into Dr. Eludi. I believe mm -hmm. she calls herself a doctor in the way that uh, Dr. Mario is a doctor. Which I is that, saying, the, way I, the way I am a doctor. Which is that he has, like to call yeah, myself a doctor. Which is that I bet she owns a stethoscope. Um, this is a this is a quote from AshtarCommandCrew.net slash events slash Cosmic I Ashtar Command Two. Okay, mm, so mm, quote. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So first wait, off, wait, the let photo. Let me just empty my chakras for this. Okay, good. the photo here is of three very old people in brightly colored, uh, crushed velvet robes. Dope. Eating what appears to be cheesecake and having coffee. And so Sign it me says, up. It says, born in London, Aludi is a doctor of spiritual science. Reed owns a stethoscope and director of the solar light retreat in Oregon. From the age of 16, she researched ancient esoteric teachings and was a reporter for a psychic oh. newspaper for three years. How oh, oh. if you're if you're a psychic, how good if you're a psychic, you don't need a newspaper because you know what happened. She's reporting out. She's 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 sending the word out to the masses, dude. Since childhood, while she, having cheesecake. Since Come childhood, on, she has been naturally telepathic, and after moving to California, 
developed telethon, there it is. telethon mm. communication with space beings. After but ex- you know what? Uh, just spoiler alert, we all do. All Californians have that. You come to California, you get the driver's license. So at the DMV at the same time, it's like right next to the form with the, uh, you know, register to vote. You get that. So Dr. <laughs> Dr. Francesca receives transmission through telethought contact. This is not a trans state, but it's a connection alpha wave, but a conscious alpha wave state in which Miss Francesca places herself at the time, a transmission to be received with the core group present. The telethought bean, I think they mean beam, mm-hmm. is aligned to Mrs. Francesca's own individual brainwave frequencies from what is XYZ relay craft. Um, exactly California. So yeah, she descri- She believes that she has been speaking with, with Earth beings, or space brothers, rather, mm-hmm. since the 60s. So um, she says... She the, mm. so Phyllis John and Phyllis go mm. to one of her talks in Hanover, New Hampshire, and evidently at the talk, she points at Phyllis and says, "I know that this person is aware of what I'm going to talk about and is in contact with the Space Brothers." Supposedly, mm-hmm. so then Phyllis and her get you know they hit it off. They're all talking to each other, and then Aludi shows her a picture of her husband. And Phyllis looks at it for a little bit and, you know, nothing happens, whatever. And then she kind of goes into a trance and she says, this man's being held against his will. He's a prisoner someplace. He's under armed guard in Mexico. And, um, you know, that's kind of it. And as she says this, supposedly a bump appears by her, by her neck, almost like near her chest Mm -hmm. that she calls a Moshi. The Moshi. She d- she doesn't call it a Moshi. The aliens call it a Moshi. Dahlia calls it a Moshi. So, supposedly, it is a type of alien antenna of some sort that lets her contact with the Space Brothers. So, uh, we then have. You could see where suspension of belief is now becoming into coming into play. Yeah. In this in the final. Yeah. So now we have a point where, where. Dahlia comes back to them. They return home. Dahlia returns to Phyllis's body. And uh, they're talking about, you know, again, training, whatever. One day Phyllis gets sick and Dahlia tries to come in and Phyllis says, please don't enter. You know, don't do this. I'm not feeling well. Let me rest. Okay. So what John tells Dahlia is, why don't you go talk to Aludi and try to find her husband? Jean, who evidently is being held prisoner in Mexico for stealing crushed velvet blouses or something. Mm. So Dahlia, Dahlia travels over there and then doesn't come back for like a week. And they're like, what is going on at this point? Yeah. She travels over there again. This is (laughs) what I love. It's like, you say she travels over there. She's, ah, Keep going. Okay. So Dahlia <laughs> comes back, Sorry. breaks into Phyllis's Sorry. body, and Phyllis just starts sobbing. And Dahlia's like, I was surrounded by black auras of evil, and they came to attack me, and then finally I prayed to God, and God opened up the a crack in the black auras with his white aura, and I was able to escape. And so supposedly... What this was, was an alien being named Atra, 
who had previously been attacking John and Phyllis. This was the being that was responsible for Phyllis trying to jump over the roof or jump over the, the balcony or whatever. It is the one that has been... Um, Plaguing them. Basically messing with them. And Atria is going to be yeah. a thing that messes with them continuously now. Over time. So now we have... So we have Etron, who's their friend. Kind of like the leader alien in some ways. We have Dahlia, who's kind of this weird... What's the word? Like this weird uh, child alien almost that enters Phyllis's body and they try to teach it stuff. We have Atra, who is an evil alien. We have Drendi, who's like a friend of Etron's. Who we didn't even get to talk about Drendi. College roommate. Oh, wait. Drendi's the one that she first said she was talking to. And then we have. And then we have. uh, We have just a, a random assortment of other aliens bopping in and out of this woman's brain. Okay, now what starts to happen that's kind of weird, though, is Dahlia now is like, well, I have to return back to Pochi and get more food pills or something. Yes. And so she's got to travel to Lansing, Michigan. Very specific that it's Lansing, Michigan. Yeah, why was that? Like, I read that and I was like, and then I had to go back some pages because I'm like, did I miss something? All the other... Is there some epicenter that's in Lansing all the other that's sort of strange right strange specificity to that all the other alien hotspots make sense it's like Sedona Arizona they're going to Roswell whatever and then they're like Lansing Lansing Lansing's a hot town right now for UFOs so yeah I was like what so not only that but it's like why so that seems like a hop skip and a jump for somebody who can you know you know vibrate their atoms and get, you know, and have that fast of travel, you know, but preparing for Lansing is like, my God, it's no. almost like taking a Greyhound. It sounded like, you Lansing's know, it's like, awesome. what is this? I don't know. So Whew. they, so she leaves from Lansing and then they're feeling low. So Atra attacks again and just tries to kind of control Phyllis. And, uh, what, what, what's interesting now is John though, they start to bring in, we already mentioned that they prayed to God. Yeah. And, yeah. With Atra's ta- attacks, this book starts to delve into a really weird fringe of the UFO community, which is like like Catholic or evangelical ufology, where yeah. people make a direct line from, well, if UFOs are real and I think God is real, then they have to be connected together. And so these are either demons or they're angels or they're spirits or whatever. And so all of the stuff that the church tells me will work like holy water, like prayers, like medallions, like whatever, all will have to work as well. And so John mentions a bunch that every time Atra comes to try to attack, he'll spray holy water. He's making prayers. He's doing all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. And it's again, this like real sharp duality. It's good or it's evil, but there's no like, you know, there's no, I would assume, and again, not knowing, not knowing these characters necessarily, but that, that that type of like good or bad may not apply to an alien civilization. Like that's sort of making this assumption that we're going to be able to understand what their logic is. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, it's, it's, a, like, it's again, a huge it's like, leap. Even assuming... Yeah, so I just wanted to double check that. Like, 
to me that's a big and that's like almost this pre that's where i'm like oh man like you don't that's what i don't get about i think that his what he's experienced and what he's digging into on the data side of things like again you're going you're you're working with nicap you're trying to prove these things i don't i don't i have a hard time justifying that with this the 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 other the you know i don't want to say pseudoscience but you know starting to run into pseudoscience and then religion on top of it it's like i think i think you have enough to go on by just saying by proving you know almost an empirical proof of something right i mean i don't want to you know belittle what his experiences are but at the same time i I am a natural skeptic on certain things, and this is when I'm just like, "Ah, oh, come on, man!" Yeah, it's like I will, I will sit there and, and visualize all of these aliens, even though you're just talking to your wife. But you gotta put down the holy water. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a weird, it's a weird mix because it immediately tells you that there's something else going on there. I think where yeah. they're no longer investigating in good faith, right? Uh, forgive the pun, but you know, <laughs> I didn't even until you said it. I know yes, it's a good, I it's a good one. But no, you're cheesy. I mean, you're completely, you're yeah. completely right though. They, it suggests that they already have a level of that. This is no longer scientific. It's about belief, right? It stops yeah. being scientific the minute you start to bring religious you know, connotations into it. And maybe that's a part of the UFO problem inherently. But I think there's a lot of us that would like to think that we can do it without that. Okay, so they now start to have more and more contact with these other aliens. Dahlia yes. returns finally after a couple of days and from Lansing is starting from Pochi through Lansing. It's okay. a stopover. And she starts to be able to kind of lower her vibrations of her atoms down to such an extent that Phyllis can see her in physical form. And so they decide to try to get Dahlia photographed. At a local photography house that did exist in Claremont right at the right when we first started going to Claremont, but then closed down shortly afterwards. And so uh, this part's kind of weird. They have a they, they just have a bunch of wacky stories and hijinks all together. You know, uh, this guy, this photographer tries to take a bunch of photos, can't get anything, of course, despite their best efforts. But then they say that, you know, um, Etron brings a UFO down and shines light at Hal at night as he's like throwing out the garbage or something. Um, <laughs> I love that. You know, uh, but a, a, a legitimately scary event happens to them supposedly where John and Phyllis are in their apartment. This is after the photography session. They're in their apartment alone, they believe. And Phyllis is there one second and then she's gone the next. And what it appears happened, at least the way that John describes it, is that Phyllis disappears out of existence and then reappears in the neighbor's apartment through the wall. Which again, what? And then, and then as John is looking around for her, she's like, where is she? I can't find her. This is crazy. He decides because so much weird shit happens to them. That yeah, this is my favorite part. He just he decides he's like, well, I guess she's dead. And he just like stops looking 
And then Atra's like, okay, good joke, and he brings her back. Now, did he thought that she was dead, or did he? He was just like, eh, I'm just gonna. He's, she's out. There's some hijinks going on. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna see what's on. I'm just gonna see what's on HBO. It like, just. Did he just sort of like la di da? I think it was just. I think it was just like he was just like whatever, right? And then yeah. so then and this stuff this stuff's now ramping up. Like things are like we made fun of in the beginning, right? Yeah. But things are ramping up. Like things. It went from being just. Uh, you know, psychic connections to these things. Supposedly they're having weird dreams. You know, Phyllis is having these weird experiences at nighttime, whatever to now physical things are happening to them where people around them are starting to see UFOs. That photographer saw one. They've seen UFOs all the time now. Um, They're starting to see uh, stuff happen to them around them. Like things are pushed or moved or whatever, right? Like stuff, poltergeist activity is starting to ramp up. And so this next part maybe is, is some of the most chilling. I think it's some of the most chilling part of the book here. So I'm going to read the quote, Marie, a mm-hmm. quote mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at Christmas time. Atra demonstrated her strength again while we were eating dinner in the same room where we had a large decorated Christmas tree. Something suddenly started shaking the tree. We feared that the ornaments would fall off. No one else was in the room that we could see except ourselves. And we were on the opposite side of the room. Later, Atra told us she did it just to show how powerful she was. On another occasion, we were visiting our friend Barbara Mills, who was the head of uh, Vermont MUFON at the time, along with several other people who were interested in witnessing Phyllis Channel. Dahlia was addressing the group when she suddenly changed the subject from whatever she was speaking about and said, something bad has happened at your house. You will see it when you go home. When we got home around midnight, we found everything to be in order until we went to the second floor. The minute we got to the top of the stairs, we saw what had happened. When we left, there had been a bouquet of dried flowers in a basket, about 18 inches tall on the floor at one end of the hall. The basket was lying on its side, and the flowers were strewn about 15 feet down the hall. The apartment had been locked while we were away. Atra had done her work again. Coming up... On 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. So, so this, so this alien is like, something, something terrible has happened, and then she just tips over their potted plants. And then she's like, I am taking this potpourri and put it wherever I want. so bad. All right. Wherever I feel like it should go, it's there. So, so. Oh, Atra. Okay, okay. That's all joking aside. The next thing that does happen is pretty weird. So, Christmas ends. Yeah. And, or Christmas is coming up. It's like wintertime, whatever. And so, two really weird events take place. One of which I kind of think they stole from the Mothman prophecies. And the, so, yeah. and the other of which I don't know what the deal is. So the All first, right, so 
this and this one that we're going to talk about is the one that I sort of have beef with. Okay. Official. Okay, like, okay. I can everything else I can sort of I'm willing to give it the pass. I'll, I'll suspend my belief and and You think they topped you think they tipped over the rose? You think they tipped over the the the, I, the flowers? I you know, I I'm willing to give it to them. I'm willing to give it at some point they felt like they were they were um something was something was causing physical you know, there was physical things that they couldn't explain. I okay, all right. There, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. They don't have proof of it, so I'm willing to take him at his word. But this actually, and we'll get into it, and I'll tell you what I why I have issue with uh, with John and Phyllis. Okay, okay. So bum bum bum. And this is probably, I would say, the biggest UFO event that happens to them by far. Yeah. This is kind of in any in any other story, this would be the culmination. So yes. Um. The aliens, in any other story, but this one's an odyssey. This one's an odyssey. So, so the alien, the aliens come and tell them that, um, that first off, they say that they, they want them to meet an alien called Bigot, B-I-G-A-T, who was coming to them in Arizona, which makes perfect sense. Okay. The other one was that the, U, the Yankee nuclear power plant at Vernon, Vermont, was going to be shut down. Yes. And specifically that the aliens were going to shut it down and that they wanted... John and Phyllis to help them in some way. Yes. So, um, and now, so now the aliens are coming to them consistently and saying, you're going to help us shut down this nuclear power plant. You're going to help us do something there. And finally on December 15th, 1987, which I think is a typo. I think he means 1997. Um, Dahlia writes to them, quote, Tell people world need fix, mix, fix up mess to be ready for earthquakes, volcanoes, and nuclear spill from reactors. Hurt many people. Next spring, small one on East Coast. John then asks her where, and she replies, quote, New England. Don't let them use Vernon. He said, do you know this for sure? And she says, that message from Astar that guide me from Apollo. Not be healthy to people. Many die. Have to close down plant. Governor closed down. I'm not able to do this big thing alone. Help people. They not see me. They not believe if they not see. Um, mm-hmm. He then asked Dahlia, well, how do we do it? And she said, no, no, you try that. All I can say blow up soon. January, February, March, April, May, boom, boom. But people already move. If you tell them not get hurt so much, do close plant, no close. Be careful. Uh, then on December 18th, uh, again, there was a uh, this following communication quote. Uh, John says, what is going to cause the nuclear reactor at Vernon to release radiation? Dahlia says, man, do bad thing to big generator. Will he do it on purpose or by accident? No, not by accident. He'd, by, he'd be doing to help save people. He not know how to do it right. Who is going to do this? And Dahlia says, not know people. So. They then get another message from Dahlia saying that she believes it'll be three employees who try to do this. Now, anybody who has read John Keel's wonderful Mothman prophecies knows this is literally the exact same scenario given for the uh, nuclear power. I think it's the Indian Falls power plant, I believe, or mm-hmm. nuclear plant. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Keel uh, or Malo- Melanie Maloney, however you want to say it, then <laughs> says uh, he's he wrote to the actual governor, Governor Coonan. On January 19th, as follows. Dear Mrs. Coonan, 
It is not my usual practice to write to heads of state nor to people in public office of whom I am not a constituent. However, I feel morally bound to tell you that I have information that frightens me and which should be brought to your attention. The information that I have is that three employees of the Vernon nuclear power plant pose a serious threat to all of our safety because they are worried about the inherent dangers of nuclear power. One of them, and I don't know which, will probably try to do something to one of the generators in order to shut the plant down. It will be intentional sabotage, but none of the men have the technical knowledge to do this act safely without creating an unintentional nuclear spill that will kill and injure a lot of people, as well as make a sizable area in my state, New Hampshire, uninhabitable. I am sorry I cannot be more precise about which person presents the problem. I have no recommendation about how to meet this threat other than to replace all the personnel, even if it requires shutting down the plant. I do not know how employees are picked, screened, or trained, but I do take this information seriously, and I hope you will also. The estimated time of this attack is next May. Most sincerely, John M. Maloney. Now. And this is my beef with him. Actually. Okay. Now, he then claims that the... Mm-hmm. The... Um, the, the, the FBI yes. contacts them. Yes. Saying. He's contacted by a number of people. Say, right. By a new, by, by an a engineer at the plant. engineer. Yep. Yeah. By the He's FBI, supposedly. Out. And by people who are legitimately freaking out that this guy is claiming that nuclear sabotage is going to take place. Well, yeah. I mean, as well, like, I think... From everything that I'm seeing, yeah, exactly. They're they're like, okay, if if it is a threat, please tell us more about said threat. And there's letters again, like you said, from the nuclear engineers at the plant saying, you know what, I got this letter. I definitely want to talk to you. I'm sure federal officials are going to want to talk to you as well. This is serious. When you start talking about uh, employees sabotaging a nuclear facility, yeah. S gets real. It gets real real fast. Yeah. You know, there's there's I don't think that, you know, like so my my beef with them is that they sort of put this out there and then they take off. They move. <laughs> they go to Arizona. They're like, okay. We're done here. We've, you know, we've we've made them aware of it and we're not gonna like no. You know, you you sort of just lit this this wildfire that's causing like you know, government officials to freak out, you know, a lot of time and taxpayer um, efforts on a nuclear facility that is that probably requires a lot of work because it was decommissioned. This has now been decommissioned. Yeah. But over something that, you know, again, you don't I'm not saying you don't have a credible, but you didn't even really kind of. Tested against anything else. At least Keels, I felt, had a somewhat of a healthy amount of, I don't know, skepticism or like questioning it. Or this, it just seems like, well, we wrote the letter and then we, and then me the, and Phyllis got in the trailer and off to Arizona. So that's my, that's my, that's where I feel like I'm like, oh man, that's not responsible. Like if you're, if you're putting this out there and you are, a conduit to this information, then you are responsible for it. Yeah. It's, it yeah. is, yeah, it's, Sorry. it's, no, it's, it's interesting that they just kind of, they just kind of leave. And this, this starts a they period, all. this starts a period of time where they're just kind of crisscrossing the country. 
visiting different UFO hotspots and conventions and speaking circuits and things. Because at this time, Phyllis has become something of a alien celebrity in some ways. With people booking her on the psychic circuit, you know, to come and channel and speak to them and talk to abductees and contactees and what have you. And, but the FBI is, the FBI is trying to find is them. after them, is after them yes. because it yes. appears that they have at the least threatened nuclear sabotage. <laughs> like at best, they have information that someone will sabotage this plant. At worst, right. they are threatening to sabotage it. <laughs> yes. Like it's, it does, it's not a great look for them yes. either way. It's not something that you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to put this out there and then I'm just going to just gonna take off. Like, no. 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 And you would think that the aliens would counsel on this as well. Yeah. Because if they are so concerned about a nuclear annihilation or a nuclear threat, then and they also know how you know capricious humans are, but they can't appear to them, then you would have to, you know, help shepherd us through to a better result than just being like, and eventually, like, it's like a few chapters later that the FBI finally tracked them down. It's interesting. Sorry. No, it's fine. I mean, so <laughs> interestingly, the the FBI finally catches up with them. Yes. Eventually. So yes. during this period of traveling, they're they're going to meet an alien called Bigot, mm-hmm. who is like the Mr. Bean of aliens. He, he's like, he, you know, they're like, he's like, meet us in Sedona, Arizona. So they go to Sedona and then Bigot's like, Oh, my alien, my, I crashed. I crashed in the, in the desert someplace. I don't know where my keys are. You know, they're like, okay, that's fine. Bigot, whatever. Oh, that Bigot again. And so then they just oh, like, just traveling around the country trying to meet this alien. And, and they keep meeting these other ones. They have an interesting they have an interesting situation where they meet with an alien called um or not an alien. They go to a town called Zebulon in Georgia. Oh yeah. Where there is supposedly oh, yeah. a psychic that Etron is like we've been communicating with this uh this youngish black guy who is in Zebulon, Georgia. Their town is kind of weird, but you got to find him and talk to him because he's going to help you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll, so I'll tell you what, go into Georgia <laughs> and ask around for the psychic kid <laughs> in Zebulon. Psychic kid in Zebulon and tell him the UFO sent you. So see they, how that plays so out. They finally, see how that plays out in the South. They finally get to Zebulon, which is a town of a thousand people. Mm-hmm. The sheriff is like, Oh my goodness, these old white people from New Hampshire want to go into the black part of town and cause some trouble. Right? They get the they have to get the sheriff's explicit permission to go talk to this kid. They go to a barbershop to try to find him. And there is a kid there who matches the description and seems interested in talking to them, but all of his friends are like, You are not going with those people. We don't know who they are. Do not go with them. And then they're just like, get out of our store, whatever. So they leave. And then later on, they find out that like a week before there had been a huge KKK rally in the town. And so all these folks are like freaking out that these, you know, this guy and his wife are here to take this kid away to beat him or something, you know? 
So it's it's just it's so weird. Yeah. And the thing is, too, a lot of these stories seem like they are misplaced in time. Right. Like, was yes. the KKK still holding rallies in in? I mean, they are. I know they are. That is a stupid question. I've seen them on CNN. But yeah, <laughs> you know, are like it was that. I don't know. It seems so odd to me. Was that, that the timing? I don't know. It, it, there is sort of like the, the, again, there's like, there's a lot to unpack, yeah. right? Like the, I think there's like a social message, um, almost a quasi-religious message. And then maybe somewhere there's like, you know, a mental health message. And then there's what is what, if there is some strange event there's that but yeah. it's sort of like it's hard for me to like read that they that they went to zebulon you know and we're looking around for a black man who lived in zebulon who is known as a psychic you know and they're just going to kind of just you know good-heartedly drive around and try and find this guy I, I, to me it's just like that's that's an insane sort of privileged fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, like, no, it's what really is weird. That? That's strange, but it's sort of like, well, you know, all right, so let's, let's, let's pretend, you know, and they, they even talk about, you know, he, obviously they, they weren't from around Georgia because of their accent and their, their New Hampshire license plate on their van, which again, it's like, it, it, uh, I, I, I just don't even know what to do with it, right? Like, John, Phyllis, what are y'all up to? You yeah. know, you're going to walk around and, and do this. And I am I am surprised that, like, I don't know. It's just, it, it it's sort of baffling. But, ah, but um, you know, at the same time, it's like, that is, and that's one of my favorite chapters. Zebulon, comma, a scary fiasco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, John. <laughs> So we're at we're at the part of the story now where John and Phyllis are maybe without realizing it running from the FBI. They're running from the law. They're running from the law. They're on the lam. If these two, only as two old people can be. <laughs> these two old people <laughs> packed bags full of crystals on their way to Sedona. Sort of like the Bonnie and Clyde of the uh, UFO set. It's fascinating. They Sorry, they're going no no. So they're 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 on their way to meet Bigot. They're on their way to meet this alien. And again, the the attacks from Atra and the seeming ability for Phyllis to channel these beings and have physical effects increases with time. So they're talking. They, they have one section, and this is kind of where we're going to end off this episode is they're driving on their way to Arizona and Phyllis says that Atra has just threatened to do something to her to make her feel uncomfortable. So like, I don't really know what's going to happen, but, but Atra says she's coming for me. Phyllis's stomach supposedly then swells to like two times its normal size to the point that her clothes are like ripping off of her in a weird way. And Maloney, I, this is maybe my favorite quote of the entire book. He says, uh, quote, I stopped the van and got out and we both strengthened our auras. Then, according to my diary, I did the flaming sword ritual around the van 
made a pantograph and prayed. As I write this years later, I don't remember just what the flaming sword ritual or the pantograph were. Then the swelling started to go down. We asked Trendy if there was anything else we should do. He said we should strengthen our auras every day. Which is just good advice. And that's, I don't care who you are. That's where I want to I leave you <laughs> listeners with, is you should strengthen your auras every day. So they finally make their way to Rock City, New Mexico, and then into Arizona. They meet a bunch of other aliens during this time. They meet aliens called um, Arco... Uh, or sorry, Arco Santi is a prototype city on Mars that they go to see. Uh, interestingly, they meet a bunch of other, um, they just beat a bunch of other aliens. They meet, uh, Drendi again. They meet Bagat finally, kind of, although Bagat appears to them as sort of almost like a men in black kind of figure where it's like these weird people will bike or walk by them and kind of stare at them. And they're <laughs> like, who, what is this? And then, and then afterwards, Etron's like, that was Bagat. You couldn't tell by his big weird eyes. You, know, you couldn't tell that guy that was staring at you drooling. It was Bagat. Come on. You know, so it's this is real heat now. We're hitting we're hitting peak strangeness here. Things are getting weird. And so next time. Or actually, I'm sorry. I want to I want to talk about one final. Really interesting thing. So on the way to Sedona, we kind of we kind of glossed over this. On the way to Sedona, they decide to stop in Virginia. Because uh, an alien says that they should go, uh, go see him in uh, his name is Sudok and says, you should, you should come see me. Right. So mm -hmm. uh, they then finally meet one of my favorite aliens, Tamimet, who is a older, a seemingly older female alien presence, clearly much older than Dahlia, who uh, takes control of Phyllis very Fully, who really is doing, does a much better job than Dahlia can do. And what they talk about is, um, they talk about, they're on a bus in Washington, D.C., and Tamimet takes over Phyllis's body. And supposedly when this happens, Phyllis's spirit kind of stays like next to the body. But it doesn't necessarily move with the body. So... And Phyllis like doesn't remember whatever happens when she's out of her body in these ways. So what happens is John and Temimet in Phyllis's body get off the bus, but Phyllis's spirit stays on the bus. Oh man. And so the doors close and then the bus is going and Temimet starts to flip out in Phyllis's body and starts talking alien to John. Yeah, and and meanwhile, her spirit is riding public transit in Washington D.C., yeah. which is not a good idea. No, so uh, Temimet is like freaking out, right? And uh, finally, is like, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, we have to get back Phyllis," you know, and then starts talking alien, whatever. And so what they end up doing is John like counts Phyllis back into her body with a prayer, almost, and that somehow works mm -hmm. to bring Phyllis back. It's Again, it is a very strange example of you have these situations where what 
happened to these two people? Like, and I, I don't mean that to sound funny. Like, it is funny. No. It's weird. Well, it, it's, it's like, to me, it's like, okay, so let's pretend for the sake, just for the sake of argument, that it has nothing to do with, like, that this whole alien thing is, does not, it's not real. It doesn't exist. If you were reading this and this person who you were married to, who you trust and you love, it, are having these clearly psychotic break episodes, you would seek help, right? You wouldn't, like, that's that's where I'm sort of like, okay, well, you can't capitalize on this, right? Because if you read this, if you read this one, The Adventures in Washington, D.C. is just, is just sort of a, again, like, she has an epi- like, forget alien anything, she's clearly dissociative, right? I yeah. mean, there's there's big, and instead of, like, seeking a medical opinion or a medical profession about it, yeah, you channel your third eye and counter back into her body. But it's like, you know, in one earlier example, she was suicidal. Like, she was going to throw herself off of a building. So that's where I'm sort of like, if it's not what you say it is, John Mulaney, in the book, and even if it is, scientifically, don't you have some sort of responsibility to make sure that whatever's happening with this person is not causing them harm? Even if they say, I'm fine. I come out of it. I'm fine. I can't remember. I was on a bus. I'm great. You know, you have, like, that's where I'm, that's where I'm, you know, that's where, that's where I'm at with that. See, what makes me, <laughs> what makes me wonder is almost mm-hmm. what, what even then, like, what psychological condition could it be? Do you know what I mean? It's so, I don't know. Yeah. it's so complex. The delusional world then that they have built together is so complex and it's not even based on the book, based on the story we've told so far, it's not just them. And there's in this delusional world, right? No, it's people like, and it's people like, uh, the, the Vermont MUFON chapter. And it's people like, or, or the people that were there at that time, it's, um, this photographer that played along and took photos of the alien. It's, do you know what I mean? It's, like the allowances then that other people are making are significant enough that it it really, really makes you wonder. Isn't that the hallmark of delusion though? I mean, isn't but that not, like but the that's delusion the thing, doesn't that's, just, but that's what I'm saying though. It doesn't just affect you or it doesn't just affect someone else. I mean, if it's a real delusion, it's a buy-in. I don't want to say mass hysteria, but it's cause it's not necessarily that, but I'm saying that. So you don't know, but what I'm talking about, what I'm saying yeah. is, I'm saying is, let's say this does start with Phyllis and John. Let's say it starts with Phyllis is sick. Phyllis has yes. a, a break of some sort, whatever. Yes. And then John is enabling her for some reason. Yes. He doesn't realize it necessarily. Let's say that. Okay. But he's enabling her. Yes. There is a community of people around them that is feeding into and helping the helping John enable this. Yes. Then. Yes. That and yes. that suggests a much larger moral failure. I think. Oh yes. Of well, and, and that's why I think this story again part I, I honestly I think and this is kind of we're getting into almost more of the uh theories I know. But we're going to we're going to touch on this. This is inevitable. It's inevitable. 
this is really to me what I, I wonder partially if this is why this story has not been told before is because really in some ways it is a story of the decline of a man and wife together mm-hmm. down this road of delusion to the point where the people that were part of this story are ashamed. Right. And there are, there are parts of this though that are still being told. Uh, mm-hmm. There are still that Ashtar website is a relatively recent. It's, it's still updated. It's still updated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have met, yeah. I have met at UFO events. I have met people who claim to be in contact with Ashtar with the same being that this doctor supposedly that Phyllis and John met claims to be in contact with, or, or at least uh, this type of same thing. I don't think Aludi or whatever her name is, is specifically saying that she's talking to Ashtar. But again, all of this is still going on. You know, people like Graham Hancock and, you know, a lot of the folks on that are on ancient aliens today have this other side to their work where it's a, re- a pseudo religion almost of metaphysics of these benevolent space brothers are talking to some folks and you know, it's not that these people are uh, losing their minds. It's that they're really talking to aliens. That is a very dangerous game to be playing. And well, yeah. And I think to your point to have something, a support system, but I mean, you also self-select into that support system, right? If you are, if you are this couple, you're going to surround yourself with people that reflect your, your own worldview. Everyone does. So it's like, I'm not surprised that these, the, that this is, again, if this is, if this is a case of sickness, right? That this is kind of, that this is what they are, uh, that they attract into their life are people like the photographer or people like the, uh, Oh God, I can't even remember the one that cheesecake Ow. eating. Oh, oh, Aludi, Dr. Aludi. <laughs> oh, Dr. Aludi. So I don't like, I, it's sort of a chicken and the egg type of thing. It's like, I don't know if I think that they have responsibility to, to, um, no, but those are that's you are self-selecting those people. But in some ways, no one at any time questions or, or at least in this story says, you know, boy, maybe maybe she seems very affected by these alien visitations, and you should just take her to you know just to make sure everything's good. Well, it becomes it becomes a question of I think too. At what point does delusion or does shared mythology just become religious belief. It's an uncomfortable question. It's a very uncomfortable question Mm -hmm. that we don't like to ask ourselves in the Western world really. But if, if Phyllis says they're there and Dr. Aludi says they're there and, you know, Bill down the road says they're there and, you know, you all have this shared you seem to have this shared experience, but I mean, even besides like the idea of it being a mass mythology or, or a mythology, a group mythology that starts to burn its way towards religion. What if it's true? What if we just haven't had our experiences yet? You know, like that's, that's the part to me that again, 
makes these stories generally so compelling. Like we can, we can look at this and say it is patently ridiculous, right? The things that they're claiming that happened to them are patently ridiculous, but how much more ridiculous is these things than, I don't know, a, a, a beggar turning water into wine. It's, I don't think it, that it the, is agreed. It's a, que- agree it's, it's a question of, I think, cause again, it all, all of the things that now we're learning about alien contactees, supposed alien contactees fit the things that they're talking about in this book. It is weird. It is. It seems so strange as to be fanciful and farcical. Right, it seem it, it always seems weird and funny and strange with these real events or these semi-real events or the events that you really think are are believable. You know, in my mind, the and that's what kind of makes them so scary is that it it's you know there's a famous quote I forget who said it but there's a famous quote that humor is just reaction to the unexpected. Tragedy plus time. Well, that's an okay. That's a different yeah. one, but oh, okay. it's, it doesn't All fit right. the point yeah. I'm trying to make, Marie. Which is that oh, so close. Mm-hmm. If comedy is is found in the unexpected, and it's our mm-hmm. reaction to the unexpected, then what could be more funny than, or, or what would be more comical than interaction with an intelligence that we can't even begin to understand? So, I and that kind of sounds like cliched and weird, and like you know, like a. I don't know. It sounds stupid, but really in my mind, I, I don't know. There's something about the story that I find very, very compelling still Marie. Well, I, I, and I'm again, like I'm clearly, you know, on what collectively is probably our fourth hour discussing it. So I'm in, I got you. I'm here, bro. (laughs) But I think, I think the, the thing is, is like, like with anything, I think that there's the mythos, mm-hmm. and I think somewhere there's the there's the the perceived truth of what of what happened. I don't know, like without going through and kind of you can parse out the facts, you can pull apart the story, you can prove certain things, you can verify certain things, but you you can't verify what that person's experience was. So I, I think that that's what is that's what's interesting, and I think that. But you have to apply a certain amount of critical thought to anything just because just because I'm Marie Mayhew. So and that's how I roll. But it's like I th- I think that that but I can't dismiss it out of hand either, because I feel like if you dismiss it out of hand, then you are missing something. You may be missing something. Agreed. There's some of it I can dismiss. And there's some of it, like I said, that I sort of have a general like ethics principle with like you shouldn't punk the federal bureau of investigation and think that you know <laughs> you're just gonna scoot off to right don't know right. we're, we're right. going on this vacation let me just write this warning letter to the fbi real quick yeah let me just yeah. say could be fatal right radiation love john mulaney um <laughs> but so i think that there's that and i just think you know but at the same time yeah we're like I think we, I think we've got another. I think we got another episode or two out of it, my friend. So, for sure we'll be Coming back down the pipe. For sure we'll be back next week with what I believe will be the conclusion of the Alien Odyssey episodes. And we're gonna talk mm. about that. We're gonna talk about our theories, our ideas, whatever. Let us know, though, listeners. What do you think is going on? 
What do you What's think? What's going on with this? What do you think is up with John and Phyllis? Do you think Phyllis is What's making it all up? up? With this? Do you think John is, conf- you know, I don't know. What is your theory? What is your idea? Hit us up on social media, the Mad Scientist Podcast at gmail.com, at Mad Scientist Pod, um, at the website, of course, and on Facebook and, and Instagram and all, all the social media things. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't yet, go take a listen to Whatever Remains, the amazing new podcast from Marie Mayhew here on the Cuban Sonic Attacks. And Sonic Attacks. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, go watch our videos on YouTube and write nice comments about us and uh, and we'll be back in one week. <laughs> Bye. Thank you again, dear listeners for listening to the mad scientist podcast. I have been your host, Chris Cogswell joined by my co-host Marie Mayhew. If you'd like to contact the show, please send us an email at the mad scientist podcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mad Scientist Pod or at Team Giant Squid for Marie. And of course, you can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, and all over the internet as the Mad Scientist Podcast. And again, our logo is the one with the pumpkin head, so it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed the show tonight, please consider supporting us on Patreon, where the money that you give to us will help us to promote this show further, to make it better, and just to spend more time making it. Because we love doing that. We do love doing that. Our logo was designed by Carrie Shaheen. Our web design is done by Desdemona Howard. And our sound design is done by Jake Cardinal. Thanks again for listening. (laughs) Thank you. This has been a damn it chippy production. Hey Hey there. there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.